Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we are going to dive into 21 training program design hacks to end training boredom. So I I wrote a blog a while back called 21 Rep Schemes to End Training Boredom and Shock New Muscle Growth. Um, Shocking new muscle growth is somewhat fiction. You can't actually do that unless you have completely switched the modality you are using and you haven't done that in a very long time. So if you've been doing bodybuilding training in the eight to 10 rep range for the last year, yeah, switch it up to like low reps and you're probably going to shock some new growth. Um, But you can shock new strength gains. And that does come from from changing the stimulus you are providing. But what you can definitely do is end training boredom. And I think this isn't a very underrated thing inside of program design is being a good coach, being a good programmer. There's, there's a lot that comes with that. And one of the most important things is really just the art of program design, the art of coaching, being creative behind the program. Um, I see a lot of people are doing programs and they're following a very boring linear progression, which is proven to work. Like it's a very smart technique. However, it can be boring. And if you get bored in your training, you lose that motive, you lose that enthusiasm, you lose the challenge and the grit and the grind and the excitement. And now we have no novelty and we have no progression. Now, for some bodybuilders out there that are just true to the sport, boring is actually better for them. It's a personality type thing. But there's a lot of people listening to this who like CrossFit, who like variation, who like strength training, who like just going to the gym and having fun. And the reality is, is what we're seeing inside of a lot of research is if you progress, you progress. It almost doesn't matter how you progress as long as you do progress. And we realize that more variation isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's some research showing that even with variation, as long as you get stronger and you can accumulate more load or volume, you're going to improve your physique, your performance, your strength, period. So um, it's not always a bad thing to switch things up. And, And I do like being intelligent with variation. You can't have too much or there is no progressive overload. But you can have too little or you just get bored, unmotivated, and have less grind in the gym. And and believe it or not, grit and grind is important. So today we're going to go over 21 topics. Um, Actually, I'm lying. Today we're going to go over 11 because as I got to number 11, I realized that it was almost an hour. um, And I I called it short like you're going to notice in the podcast because I'm recording this intro afterwards. But I realized that uh, we need to finish this next week. So this is part one of the 21 programming hacks to end training boredom. I think this is going to be really exciting for you guys. So so listen closely and take notes. And, and as you hear things that sound exciting, sound motivating, sound like they would work for you, write them down, head over to the blog that I will link in the description and actually take it from me because I have it written in writing with numbers and examples and programming tips. So you can actually literally take it from me and implement it in your programming. And this is this is going to be great for coaches and people who do program design as well. Um, or if you're writing your own programs, because I'm literally giving you a bunch of new, cool, exciting and creative ways to write out your programs to have more fun and see better results because you're more, more motivated to get into the gym. 
All right, guys, before I let you get into this podcast, as always, if you enjoy this episode, please do me two huge favors. Head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review. I really, really do appreciate that. And the second thing would be take a screenshot of the show, post it on your story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom, and let me know you are listening. I want to share it on my story, and I want to thank you personally for listening to the show. All right, without any further ado, let's get on to the 21 programming hacks to end training boredom. So the first thing for us to remember when diving into a topic like this um, especially because I think I'm going to title this 21 programming hacks to end training boredom, um, is that there are no hacks, right? And that goes for everything in life. I mean, I've talked about this quite a bit of times, but there really are no hacks for anything. There is strategy and consistency, right? There's, there's a plan and there's hard work and there's support and accountability and, and methods and adherence and all these little tiny things that factor into the hard work and consistency, but it really comes down to, plan it, do it, right? Um, and if we look at progressive overload, it's, it's actually kind of boring, right? So like if we target progressive overload in a linear approach, which is usually how I recommend for most people because it's just simple, we might start with four sets of six and then week two, we go four sets of five, week three, we go four sets of three, then five sets of two and then eventually six sets of one at like 90 to 95% of our one rep max. And then we go back to four sets of six and it's at a heavier weight than three or four weeks ago, right? So it's a, a four to six week block, let's say, and you're dropping intense or sorry, you're dropping volume while increasing intensity. That's a very common form of linear progression. I guess you could do a reverse linear progression where we go start with six reps, then go seven reps, then go eight reps, then go nine reps, then go 10 reps, and then come back down to six um, with the goal of increasing volume over time. And you can also increase volume with sets. So like a really, really like a linear volume progression. So like really going after hypertrophy, we could go with, uh, really we could even start with like two sets of 10, three sets of nine, four sets of eight, five sets of eight, six sets of six, right? Like, so you're climbing up volume tremendously and kind of staying in these higher rep zones. Um, but again, these are very, very basic, right? This is me doing a barbell back squat every single week and slowly either lowering reps while increasing load. So dropping volume, increasing intensity or the opposite, uh, maintaining intensity and or dropping intensity while increasing reps and or volume. Either way, it's, it's the same exact exercise and it works best if we do that for an extended period of time, and then we come back and do it again, come back and do it again, right? So that is the most boring and simple yet effective way of progressing inside of strength and muscle. We, we know this, right? It, it works really well. Um, in fact, oftentimes I do recommend going this route for at least our compounds, right? So I'm a big fan of a lot of variation inside of the accessory work. So I have some clients where we change the accessory work every two weeks, some that's every three, some that's every four. It really depends on the individual. But I really do like changing the accessory work quite often while keeping the compound pretty steady for a consistent amount of time, um, just like this. But here's the problem. At some point, the basic lifts just get boring. Like, let's face it. 5x5, five 4x8, by 3x10, five, by all the basic set and rep schemes, like they work really well like I just described. Um, and if we're trying to build muscle or get stronger, the reality is that progressive overload is the number one key driver in making that happen. Meaning 
if you progressively add volume or progress your exercise in some way, shape, or form by adding load, adding variation, adding some kind of novelty stimulus, a new stimulus, a new stress, you will build muscle and you will get stronger. You will see results. But sometimes that progression can be stalled due to boredom. Being bored in your training leads to a lack of enjoyment, which leads to a lack of motivation, and a lack of motivation leads to less grit and grind, period. Grit and grind isn't everything at all, and I don't expect people to be like hardcore bro or team no sleep, but I will say if you're not getting after it in the gym, then you're far less likely to see impressive results. And that's very, very true. Like I know there's this whole effective rep model argument going around right now, but I think what everybody can kind of agree on and debate about less is the fact that there needs to be effort, period. So effective reps are reps that are targeting a high level of effort. So if we really want to put an RPE or an RIR scale on it, we could say probably like eight or nine RPE is probably best, right? One or two RIR is probably best, meaning you have one or two reps left in the tank. That means you are challenging yourself. That means you are probably progressively overloading. It means you are pushing. It's, it's very difficult, but it's not so difficult that you can't recover from it. It's not a 10 RPE. But if we go back to this idea of making training fun, we can accomplish both. Like this is where getting creative actually helps you uh, set your lifts up properly, effectively, and progressively. Um, and that's what we're going to get into today. So like when I say hacks for improving uh, your overall boredom, so like 21 rep and set hacks, 21 programming hacks, I should call it. Um, I haven't recorded the intro, so I actually haven't created a name for this yet, but I think I'm going to go with 21 programming hacks to end training boredom. If we look at it from that perspective, I think that it is very important to have fun. Even if I look at like some of the programs I got the best results on, I actually didn't follow a very structured linear approach. And I think the more research that's coming out, the more we're realizing you can actually be pretty creative with your programming, right? And still see progress. Um... And the best way to do that, honestly, is is going to be playing with your compound lifts, playing with the variations inside your accessory works, and actually implementing some of these hacks I'm going to talk about today to just stimulate more challenge, stimulate more novelty, stimulate more stress on your body to cause it to adapt. Um, stimulate more excitement. Like excitement leads to motivation, and the motivation leads to more effort in the gym, period. So what I'm going to talk about today, again, is these hacks. They're, they're rep and set schemes. Um, the, I, I wrote a blog on this, so, um, I'll probably dive into this in the intro separately, but obviously if you hear something you like during this podcast, pause the podcast, go into the description, click the link to the blog, and then go check out the actual rep and set scheme that I'm talking about in writing. So you can copy it and you can use it in your training. I think that's the most important thing here is like, take what you think is going to work really well and put it into your training. Um, yeah, and I think that's going to be the best one. So let's just kind of dive right into this. So 21 different programming hacks to end training boredom. Again, these all can be used for two-week cycles, three-week cycles, four-week cycles, eight-week cycles, 12-week cycles. You can do these for a long time. Um, but the main point that I'm trying to get across here is that training should be fun. Training should be exciting. Training should motivate you. Training should also kind of create some butterflies in your stomach, right? You should go into the gym like, oh, shit, I got to do blank today, right? Like that is a cool feeling when you have that feeling of like, damn, I got to get after it today. This is going to be tough, right? So uh, the first one we're going to go over is one of my classic favorites, honestly. Like this is something that I used to I have used it many times inside of programs, but I've also used it myself personally, and I find it really, really fun. Um, it's it's similar to a conjugate method, but it it kind of 
makes it a little bit easier on your body, right? So this is a great one uh, that I love. And, and again, it, it's kind of made popular by Conjugate Method by Westside Barbell. Um, I took this from Joe DeFranco. But the basic premise is that you'll work up to today's three rep max. You can work up to a one or a five rep max technically, but either way, it's a sub-maximal effort because you cannot work up to an absolute max every single session or even every week really and expect to continually make progress without burning out or creating injury. Um, this is why I prefer the three rep max because it's it's very difficult to overreach. It regulates you to stick to a sub-maximal effort in the 85 to 95% of your one rep max intensity range which is enough to provide the benefit of maxing out without going overboard and frying your nervous system or creating some kind of joint issue. Um, it also implies the RPE scale intuitively. This also means you reach a higher percentage of strength, but keep it to that day instead of whatever percentage is written down on the paper. This is my opinion. Um, this, in my opinion, is much more applicable inside general population strength training, right? Um, so we have, uh, and, and if I had to put a title on this method, it's work to three at max and then drop for one to two drop sets of eight to 12 reps. Um, and this is the, the reason this is kind of pulled from a conjugate method is because conjugate works to a one rep max every week. Usually they change the variations, which helps avoid burnout. Um, it avoids the ner nervous system adaptation of uh, getting too used to that one movement pattern and also avoids joint issues usually um, because you're not doing a barbell back squat work to one rep max every single week. Right? You might do a back squat, then you might do a rack bowl, then you might do a box squat, then you might do a front squat. So it is changing the novelty, the stimulus, um, and I think that helps avoid, but you're still going to a one rep max every week, which can be pretty tough. Um, people who train at Westside are a different animal. They're not general population, so I think that should be reserved for them. With this, it, it's kind of nice because you only work to a three rep max. We know, based on research, that going to a three rep max still allows you to reach that 85 to 95% of max intensity, which is more than enough to gain just as much strength without as much neuro neurological fatigue or joint fatigue or overall total body stress. So I think it's much more beneficial and much more applicable to um, general population because you're not going to an absolute max. It's safer. So after, so last but not least, after we hit this three rep max, so we'll slowly work up to this. Remember that, and that's why it's an intuitive RPE, meaning, okay, Based on my one rep max, if I'm striving to hit 90% of my one rep max for three reps, that's going to be my quote unquote three for the day, um, which is typical in a power lifters setting, right? We're going to base lifts off exact percentages. The problem with this is, is let's say I, I do the math and I need to hit 350 today, but I barely got any sleep. Um, I was sick a few days ago. Like my low back's kind of bugging me, but that's what the paper says, right? That's probably not going to result well, but if we're going to an intuitive three rep max. And again, this is working to today's three rep max. I might go in my three rep max today might be 275 instead of 350, but that's totally fine. I'm still hitting today's RPE of eight or nine. I'm still hitting today's RP or percentage of 85 to 90% of my one rep max. I'm still hitting that strength zone and I'm still leaving it be. So really, really important. Some days you feel great. Some days you don't. This is why this is more applicable to gen pop. Um, and last but not least, we had the one to two drop sets of eight to 12 reps after this three rep max attempt. This just takes advantage of added volume, really, um, but it does it at a time where your nervous system is primed for performance and your body has already recruited more muscle fibers and motor units, which is an added benefit of working in those high percentages. Um, 
but by priming your body for growth with this three rep max and then adding in volume, we're doubling down on hypertrophy. So I really, really enjoy this. So basically what you would do is you're taking the trap bar deadlift today. You are going to slowly build up to a three rep max of today. So however that three rep max is for you today. And then after you hit that three rep max, you are going to drop anywhere between 25 and 50% of the weight. And you're going to hit um, one to two drop sets of eight to 12. So I would judge that intuitively too. If you hit one set and it just fucking smashes you, stop at one. If you hit one set and you're amped up, hit another set. Number two, the second one, one to six contrast sets. So this is something I learned from Christian Thibodeau. Um, in fact, full disclosure, uh, multiple sets slash rep schemes you'll learn today in this podcast have been taught to me by Thibs. He's known for really creative and exciting programming, um, and he's been that way for a long time, some of which have contributed to my personal best growth um, over the years. I've, I've done, I've ran a lot of his, uh, personal training programs and stuff like that. Um, but this is one I took from him and there's, there's different kinds of contrast sets. So some athletic trainers or people who are into plyometrics might be listening to this and, and think of a different kind of contrast set. So one type of contrast set would be, I do a heavy back squat for five and then I take a 30 to 60 second break and then I immediately do two, three box jumps. Right, so it's almost like loading a spring, right? Pulling a rubber band back, loading the muscle, and then you're springing, jumping, exploding. Um, that is a type of contrast set, but this is geared towards hypertrophy. Like the drop sets um, added to the, in the last one, contrast sets take advantage of added volume at a time when your nervous system is primed for performance and your body has already recruited those muscle fibers and motor units, like literally what I just talked about. Um, and in a way, those drop sets are contrast sets. So you were gonna do one rep and then you're gonna do six. So during your one rep set, which will be done at 90% of maximal effort. This ensures brute strength while still perfecting form and efficiency. This is really important. Um, this is going to recruit the muscle fibers and get the nervous system able to handle heavier loads. This is where we recruit those motor units. At this point, you rest one to two minutes while reducing the load on the bar by 25 to 50%. Um, it's all relative to the person in the lift, obviously. And then you perform your sets of six. So your six rep set should be done at about 70 to 75% of your one rep max or at an RPE of eight to nine, meaning you should have one to two more reps in the tank, but they might be grueling reps. Performing contrast sets is going to challenge you on a neurological and a muscular level, which in my opinion is the most popular way, um, optimal way to ensure muscle growth. It's my favorite way because it kind of introduces you to both stimuluses, which I find honestly creates a better pump. I, th I feel it more. Um, and it's more exciting. Like, and again, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. It's just a great way to feel charged up um, for your higher rep sets. And again, just have fun. Like, that's the main point. You can use uh, contraceptives in rep ranges of one to four, one to five, or even one to eight. But I wouldn't go above that because you just begin to fatigue the body too much for the one rep sets. And you will still need to practice true strength in the 90% range for that one rep set, which is why I really do like these better as a one six. So again, just to, to kind of break this down, if you were doing a barbell bench press, you would work up to a relative one rep max. So basically add load on the bar until you get to about 90% of your one rep max. Then you're going to do one rep with it. Remember that you can probably do three reps, maybe a grinding fourth rep with your 90% of one rep max. So you should be able to get the bar up with efficiency. It should be hard. It should be heavy. You should definitely feel this, this work, but you should be be able to push it with efficiency, with some speed, um, the control the negative, punch it up. But you should get your one rep in and be like, I definitely got a couple more. But it was challenging. The whole point is getting your nervous system primed to a heavy load, which is going to be that 90% of one rep max. As soon as you get done with that one rep, 
you're going to peel weight so you are now at 70 to 75% of your one rep max and you're going to hit six reps. You're going to want about one to two minutes in between these sets. But honestly, if you're doing a bench, let's say, and you do your one rep, you rack it, stand up, swing your arms, pull the plate off, pull the other plate off, get back onto the bench, get ready, grab the bar. You're already in that one minute range. So you don't really have to like time it, in my opinion. You, it's, it's basically just like a drop set. But the big key here is 90% and then 70 75%. Number three, pyramid training, light to heavy. So there's two types of pyramid training we're going to cover today. Pyramid training has been around for, honestly, probably decades. Um, and it's a pretty simple strategy to use. You start with a lighter weight for more reps, and you slowly build up to a heavier weight for fewer reps. If your main goal is strength, this might look like 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, or 9, 7, 5, 3, 1. If your main goal is hypertrophy, this might look like 20, 18, 16, 14, 12, or 15, 13, 11, 9, 7. Uh, the cool thing about pyramid training style as a whole is that you can work up to a relative max for the day, very similar to that first strategy, the three rep max one that I talked about. Um, and sometimes it just feels good to work up to a heavy load, right? And it's very simple. You don't have to count too many numbers. You don't got to think about anything. You just load it up and work your way down, um, work your way down in reps, work your way up in weight. It's also very safe in the sense that you cannot really avoid properly ramping up to a heavy weight because like the buildup sets are built into this rep set model. Um, so you literally basically warm up. So for example, if, if I'm going to do a 10, 8, 6, 4, 2 pyramid, I'm finishing with a two rep. That's a heavy load, which could be dangerous. Um, and it could be very stimulatory. However, I just did 10 reps, 8 reps, 6 reps, 4 reps. So like literally build you into it. So for people who are like rushed on time and they just need to do something that is programmed in so efficiently, like this is perfect. Um, and lastly, you cover a wide spectrum of rep ranges. So this is a really good one for overall hypertrophy um, because the volume tends to be pretty high. But it still allows you to create that neurological effect that strength training has most of the time. Obviously, if you go 20, 18, 16, 14, 12, that's not the case. Um, but what I would say too is you can you can do this in a progressive, a linear progression model. So let's say phase one um, for like one to two weeks, you go 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. Then you go to one to two weeks of 12, 10, 8, 6, 4. Then you go one to two weeks of 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, and then, you know, you keep climbing up until eventually you're at 20, 18, 16, 14, 12. So now you take a squat from working a two rep all the way up to a 20 rep over the course of eight weeks. Um, again, you can load the bar up and get to warming up and you finish five or six sets within this pyramid and you basically build in a warm up and a working set, uh, multiple warm ups and multiple working sets within that. Um, I really, really enjoy it. It's been around forever for a reason. Then we have number four, reverse pyramid training, heavy to light. Very similar to regular pyramids, but in the reverse, obviously. Um, with the reverse pyramid, you're working the exact opposite way by starting with a really heavy weight for fewer reps and building up to a lighter weight uh, at higher reps. These are a double-edged sword in a way because the volume is really high, which is great for growth, but they take a long time to actually get through. So, I mean, if you think about it, by the time you warm up to a heavy weight and you finally lift your set of three, you need to peel weight and slowly work your way back down, which is just brutal. Uh, but if you're the type of person who likes keeping it simple and not moving around the gym from lift to lift, this is perfect because you'll spend an hour in the squat rack and get a lot of productive work done and then you can bounce. So um, examples, if your main goal is strength, this might look like 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 or 1, 3, 5, 7, 9. 
if your main goal is hypertrophy, this might look like 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, or 7, 9, 11, 13, 15. So I really do like this um, from a theoretical standpoint because similar to the contrast sets, and we talk about like priming the nervous system and getting your body recruiting more muscle fibers and motor units to allow you to build more muscle to like just get more out of the sets you're doing for the day. This does that, right? Because we start with a heavy load. We start with a low rep set, especially if you're starting with like, like for pure hypertrophy, honestly, my recommendation would probably be like going like three, five, seven, nine, um, because then you're not spending too much time, but you're also hitting like a relatively heavy, right? Three, a relatively heavy, but safe. And then you can build up volume from there. Um, the problem is, is again, we have to warm up to that three, hit a three rep, peel weight five, peel weight seven, peel weight nine. So it's not as efficient, but it is very effective because overall volume is very high. Um, and you get the benefit of priming the nervous system through neurologic adaptation and then stepping into hypertrophy. Strength wave loading is number five. So three, two, one or five, three, one, for example. Um, strength wave loading is, is where we run through a set of three, a set of two, and then finally a set of one, slowly ramping up weights. Then we will come back to the set of three at a slightly heavier weight so that each wave is just a bit heavier than the previous wave. This strategy uses the potentiation fatigue relationship to create a type of muscle contraction uh, after effect, essentially. Um, I actually have a quote here from Christian Thibodeau on this. When a muscle contracts hard, the nervous system and muscle becomes turned on, quote unquote, and for a certain period of time, their capacity to produce force is increased, either due to a stronger neural drive or a more sensitive neuromuscular junction. This phenomenon is called potentiation. So, um, and, and by the way, this is straight from him and Paul Carter's book, Maximum Muscle Bible. Um, I will uh, link that in the show notes because it's a really, really good book. And it's really cool, but like if you're a trainer or a programmer, it's a really cool book to have on hand because it just literally has like tons of just different strategies and stories and lessons and, and tips from them over the years on, on how to be more creative with your programming. Um, but the point with this one is simple. Each wave, you're priming your body to perform better, handle more, and adapt more effectively. Run two, three, or even four waves, but keep the reps in the lower rep, uh, strength range. This is not like a high rep hypertrophy type of loading. Um, this one is strength. We're going to get into hypertrophy wave loading soon. But the, the thing to remember here is like three, two, one is one set, right? So like unlike the pyramid where we go three reps, take a long break, two reps, take a long break, which would be a very, very mini pyramid. This one is you go three, two, one with the same load. So it's kind of like a cluster, right? So... Again, we will run through a set of three, take a good break, set of two, and then finally a set of one. And then we'll ramp up weights and we'll repeat that for two to three rounds. So this might look like loading 315 on a trap bar. You do three reps, rest a minute to two minutes, two reps, rest a minute to two minutes, one rep, rest a minute to two minutes. Um, as you go down in reps, your fatigue ratio is obviously lower because you're doing less reps, but your fatigue may be higher from those other ones. Then you'll take a solid three to four minutes and you repeat. Um, I really enjoy this one for pure strength. I think it's a really, really good way to do it. Um, five, three, one or three, two, one. And it is kind of like one of those things where we're hitting a one rep max with something that we can do three reps for. And often we can do more than three reps for because our first wave, like let's say our, our ultimate three rep max on the trap bar is 405. Well, I'm only doing 300, right? Three, two, one, but they're close enough together and I'm performing them with maximum efficiency that I'm still getting that stimulatory effect. So really, really safe way to build pure strength. Number six, we have a hypertrophy wave load. Um, this would be like a seven, five, three or eight, six, four. So basically it's the same exact concept that I just talked about. Um, but I will be honest, these, I don't think these are as effective personally. Um, the reason 
I don't think they're as effective is because the potentiation effect that was discussed in that last strength wave is not nearly as great when we start increasing the reps higher due to the lessened neurological dominance of the training. As we know, the lower the rep range, the more strength slash neurologically dominant it is. So when chasing the potentiation effect, we need to target pure strength or explosive power speed. Um, whereas hypertrophy wave loading, the targeting, uh, the ability to lift heavier in the rep ranges, seven to eight, let's say, um, is just increase total volume, create a greater time under tension, and really just change up the style of how you are lifting rather than chasing the neurological benefit of potentiation. So as you go through each wave, you will be ramping up the loads used, which is the key driver in more volume, making this a great strategy in order for you to build your seven or eight rep, eight rep loads um, during these high volume waves. You only repeat two to three waves and because the volume is so high. Um, so those strength waves you could do for more than two to three if you wanted to. You could do four, five, six waves if you want to spend a lot of time building strength. The hypertrophy waves, the volume is so much higher and the sets are so much more fatiguing that you probably are only going to want to do two or three waves because you're essentially getting three sets per, per one set or per one wave. Um, but I really do like for people who are strictly focused on bodybuilding or performance, I'm sorry, bodybuilding or, or muscle hypertrophy, if you've been like you stay in the 8 to 10 rep range typically let's say and you're kind of at a plateau and you've done the linear approach you're an advanced lifter and you're just struggling to overcome your a rep something like a 864 or a 753 hypertrophy wave load is very beneficial because those waves allow you to tap into something that will crush your previous a rep max like if there's any good advice i can give people who are strictly focused on building muscle it's to build your 6 to 8 rep max I think that is one of the most productive ways to build your overall hypertrophy because at some point in time, you need to build strength in those ranges in order to lift more in the ranges that you typically stay in to allow more growth, period. Um, and I think that's one of the cool things about all these things I'm sharing right now. Number one, this is going to be more fun for training and it's giving you some ideas to train with. But number two, a lot of these are like really cool ways to like the blog title I wrote was uh, shock new muscle growth, which... I think is kind of a cheesy term. Um, it's like almost bait and switch to be completely transparent. Um, I don't think you can do like a very, uh, I don't, it, it's hard to shock new muscle growth. In fact, a recent study actually showed you can't <laughs> unless, unless you do something you haven't done in years. So like they took Olympic lifters and uh, they gave them bodybuilding training that they have never done or they haven't done in two to three years and that shocked quote unquote new muscle growth. So in some scenarios you can, but you, it has to be dramatically different. For these though, I will say, like I think you can shock new strength gains is why I was kind of alluding to this. Because if you're kind of in a rut or at a plateau and you've been there for a while, I think it would be a very productive thing to do something like one of these strategies to get you out of your typical linear fashion, um, change things up, change the type of stress you're applying and, and change the exercise selection and it will help you quote unquote shock new strength gains. Um, number seven, weekly undulated straight sets. Uh, this is a new approach to the classic sets of like three by 10, four by eight, five by five, um, for example, that can be used to provide variety every week while also tackling two goals at once. Um, and undulated periodization models implement variety throughout the session, um, weekly spit or monthly block. It's basically the act of changing your rep and intensity zone between speed, hypertrophy, and strength. Like that's really all it is. Um, and a lot of people know of daily undulated periodization, which would mean that you're doing, uh, like, let's say you have three full body sessions per week. This is something I did to really work on my bench and squat. You have three, uh, full body sessions that you bench squat and deadlift in. I usually say, Hey, you should do 
bench and squat three days a week, deadlift twice a week, just because I think that much pulling can be aggravating on your back. But um, let's just use the bench, for example. You do one day at five by five, pure strength, 85%. You do one day at six by three, which is speed, right? 65% lightweight, fast pull or fast push for a bench. And then you do one day at four by eight, pure hypertrophy. That's daily undulated periodization, meaning each day you change what you were doing. So weekly undulated periodization, uh, weekly undulated straight sets is what I called it here, is similar, but you're alternating every week. So for example, week one would be five by five, 80 to 85% of your one rep max for strength. Week two would be six by three at 65% of your one rep max for concentric speed, power, explosiveness. Week three would be four by eight, 70 to 75% of your one rep max for hypertrophy. Week four, you're back at that, that strength zone, but we're going five by four, adding five to 10 pounds, right? So week one, we did five by five, 80 to 85%. Week four, we're doing uh, five by four instead. So same s stimulus, but we're adding weight, dropping a rep. So we're still taking a linear approach. Um, but it's, it's on a longer scale because week one to week four is when we hit that strength again, right? Week five, we're doing six by three again. We're just adding a little bit of weight for concentric speed. Week six, we're doing three to four sets of 10, same weight as we did four by eight with for hypertrophy, but we're adding volume to it. Um, and the cool thing about that is, you know, if you do a like functional muscle one, we have a, uh, reverse linear approach where it's like literally adding a ton of volume. So it's like four by eight, actually, I think it's three by eight, four by, th sorry, three by eight, three by 10, three by 12. Those are big jumps. And if you can keep your load, that's fantastic. But on a weekly basis, that's hard. Even adding a rep to the same amount of load for an advanced lifter is very hard. But in this model, when we do week one, five by five, week two, six by three, week four, three, four by eight, and then week four, we come back to five by four again, five by five, technically dropping load. It's much easier to add load. Right Or, for example, week three to week six, that's two weeks between, three full weeks since you did straight hypertrophy. It's easier to keep that load that you did four by eight with, but add two reps to because you had weeks in between to build strength. Um, now, you have variety in a controlled setting, undulation, while still implementing progressive overload with this. Style is implemented uh, actually ex almost exactly like this in functional muscle too. Uh, very similar to where... With that one, because the main goal is um, hypertrophy with functional muscle too. The main goal is hypertrophy. So with that one, we have hypertrophy days every week. So we have a push-pull legs uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and those stay in the high rep ranges. However, Monday, Tuesday alternates every week between strength and speed. So week one is five by five. Week two is six by three. Week three is five by five. Like, and we alternate, right? Strength, speed, strength, speed, week by week, which programs in a neurological deload basically every other week, which allows you to consistently for 12 weeks straight on this program, hit a higher RPE for the hypertrophy. So functional muscle 2.0 is really, really great for that. Um, I also like this in settings like, this last thing I'll say about this one, then we can move on. But um, I really like this with like CrossFit and people who really like a ton of variety. It allows that variety while still having a linear and intelligent approach to long-term periodization, meaning you're not doing something random every week. You are changing the stimulus every week, so it makes it feel like it's fun, random, exciting, challenging. But really, if you pull back and look at a six-month period of time, you have a progressive overload in a linear fashion. Um, so you might, like I said, alternate, 
you know, you would do like, let's say you have a overhead press or let's say you do like a, for CrossFit, you do like a, a deadlift, a back squat, a clean and a jerk. You could alternate those between, you know, strength and power. And then, so like basically what you do is your deadlift would be for strength week one, power week two, strength week three. And like you alternate that way, your jerk would always be for power, but you would only do it every two weeks in the weeks in between, you would do a strict press for strength. And on those weeks that you're doing a strict press for strength, you're actually doing speed for your deadlift. So you're never doubling down on too much strength in one week, which would create too much fatigue. Um, so you can play around with this, but this is one of the reasons why it's good to look at things for longer than a session or a week, right? Like you can't do this by thinking like, what am I going to do this week for training? Like you have to literally take a bird's eye view and go, okay, what am I going to do this month? Let me plan each week. So they build into each other. And I'm sorry if I'm sniffling a little bit, I'm still a little bit sick. This sickness just lingers. Um, shout out to all the clients that told me they were sick too. I mean, <laughs> shout out to them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were sick. I was sick. My wife is sick. My daughter is sick. Um, so I literally, it's, it's been a, it's been a brutal household for me, but, um, nonetheless, I'm still getting these podcasts done. It's a little, it's a little time away, uh, for me. So, uh, number eight strength circuit five, four, three, two, one. And I would literally say in the eight and a half years I've been training, this is one of the programs that pushed me harder and honestly gave me more games than I've ever experienced. Um, volume is low. Intensity is very high. Recovery demands are really high especially neurologically and it's exciting and boring as hell <laughs> at the same time so uh let me explain uh and this is another one that uh i was introduced to by christian thibodeau so shout out to him i gotta get him again if anybody wants to hear him on the podcast again let me know i gotta get that guy back on he he always always crushes the podcast i've had him on a couple times uh so for this one you will choose five compound lifts it's best done with a hip hindra squat horizontal press, um, explosive pull, ideally, vertical press, and finally a vertical pull. But can be also done with other movements of your choice as long as it's in a full body circuit, essentially. Um, so for example, this could be a front squat, a floor press, a barbell high pull, um, a military press, and a chin-up. This will run through, or you will run through these movements like a circuit, basically, um, taking minimal rest period between each movement and about three minutes between rounds, three to five minutes, I would say. Um, this works on metabolic capacity, pure strength, and because of the low rest periods, you end up shocking the body a little bit um, and uh, neurologically. And so you're going to experience some muscle soreness. You are going to experience some fatigue. So it's really, really – and you can you can grow too. I grew muscle on this for sure because if you look at how heavy the loads are, like technically volume is high. If you're strong, the volume can be high. Um, so even though I'm only going up as high as five reps, I mean, I'm hitting five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 two, right? Like it's a lot of volume from a tonnage perspective and tonnage equals mass. But again, you will shock the shit out of your body. So you truly have to be ready for this. Um, the rep circuits, uh, again, it's five, four, three, two, one, and you are going to do them at 85 to 97.5% or 80 to 90%. And what like, when setting up percentages for these, it will all depend on how often you're training the circuit. It's designed to be repeated, um, the same exact exercise every single session for four to five days a week. If running this circuit multiple times a week, you'll alternate the higher percentage days with the lower um, as a natural deload to keep your body away from complete max effort. 
Um, we have a program based on this inside the Boom Boom Elite. So if you want to try something like this, we have one inside the Elite. It's called Body Armor. Um, and remember, guys, the Elite is risk-free. So I'm going to drop a link to it in the description. There is no commitment time-wise, meaning if you're like, man, I really want to try, try Body Armor, you can join the Elite, try Body Armor. And if you really don't like the added value of the education, the live Q&As, and the uploading uh, the new programs every single day, every single month, you can leave. <laughs> like there's no there's no commitment to it so it's 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 literally risk free um but this is one of those ones like i said like so week 1 you might start with 85% and work up to 97.5 throughout those five so like let's say five reps at 85% um four reps at 87.5% three reps at 90% two reps at 92.5% and then one rep at 95 to 97.5% like literally inching up 2.5 to th- five percent each lift and then the next week you'll start at 80 percent and go only to 90 percent. and i know that's still high intensity but you're only staying at five reps so it is somewhat of a deload compared to working up to a 97.5 percent, which is fucking brutal um you have to be in a good place for this you cannot be in a deficit um you need to be sleeping adequately like a, a little personal story i did this when i was Shit, me and Theo did this when we were young. I mean, I was probably 20, 21, and it, like, I blew up. I was eating a surplus. I was sleeping eight to nine hours a night. Um, I think I was moved out of my parents' house by then. Yeah, I was definitely moved out. I moved out of, like, 19, I think, 19 or 20. But I had very little responsibility, (laughs) like, in my life. So it was a perfect time for me to do this. And we ran it for like eight weeks. Uh, we did four weeks deload and then four more weeks. So nine weeks total and, uh, insane strength gains, insane growth. I tried to do this again, not long ago. So I took a very low volume phase, um, low volume and low intensity. Like really, like I did like a three month deload when we had our daughter because I just wasn't sleeping as much. I was trying to get used to being a dad, stay up on the business, so on and so forth. Um, and then when I, she started sleeping through the night, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it again. Um, and I underestimated my ability cause I was like, oh, I'm going to do this again. However, I failed to remember that I still wasn't getting as much sleep because I had a daughter. I still had an extremely busy business. Like I just wasn't a good time for it. And I shit you not, I got depressed, like legitimately, like I actually went and got my testosterone levels checked. Um, I was concerned, <laughs> like this was, uh, and it was accumulation of things. Like it was a high stress period, um, in my life personally, uh, and business wise in good ways, but it was overwhelming. And I think the hecticness and the chaos, it, it stopped me from meditating. This is like, uh, over a year ago now. And the combination of that and this program literally sent me into depression because I was just so neurologically fatigued. Now, I don't know for sure if it was this. Um, I was doing it five days a week. I was doing a trap bar deadlift, barbell floor press, barbell high pull, um, heavy dumbbell military press, and then a weighted pull-up. That was my circuit. And I got like three weeks into it, and I was having fun. It's so boring, but it's so fun because it's quick. It's intense. It's compounds. You're hitting every muscle. Like It's really fun. Uh, But by the time like I finished this like three-week block, I was just fucking smashed. Um, now we can contribute to a lot of things. Um, I was going through a big shift in my life with my business. I was uh, a new father. I was very busy. I wasn't getting so much sleep. I failed to meditate and journal and like take time for myself. 
So I was experiencing a little bit of burnt out, burnout in multiple places. And I, I chose the path of taking my stress out in the gym, which is not a good idea, even though it seems like it would be. And that's what it led to. So was it the program intensity or was it all this other stuff? I don't really know, but just a forewarning, it is intense. <laughs> Number nine, EMOMs. Every minute on the minute, there's going to be a lot of people that recognize this one. Um, CrossFit definitely made these popular again, um, but they don't always have to be used in a metabolic setting. We, we can use these for strength compound lifts, hypertrophy work, isolation exercises, etc. Um, if you're low on time, like to keep the pace and tempo high in your training or just want to experience a brutal pump, these are a perfect way to mix up your training and increase the lactic acid or the metabolite buildup, um, which is just basically scientific terms for crazy ass pump and getting a burn in the muscle um so examples of these uh, compound strength imam um, which again is every minute on the minute which means at the top of every minute you will start your reps so first example for a compound strength movement for the barbell bench press you could do a 10 minute imam of three to five reps um, this is usually something where we would start with a like six or seven rep max and when the first minute starts you do five reps um, and you keep five reps as many minutes as possible, but you don't let yourself go to an RPE of 10, right? So you stay at that like RPE nine, which means on minute five or six, you might end up hitting four reps on minute seven or eight. You might end up at three until finally minute 10, you're still at three. Um, but the point is, is it, it, for a progressive overload on this is simple. Like you could do a 10 minute EMOM of bench press for three to five reps every week, throw 205 on the bar. And let's say week one, you get five minutes of five reps, two minutes of four, three minutes of three reps. Week two, you might get six minutes of five reps, three minutes of uh, four reps, and only one minute of three reps, right? That's progressive overload. You've added volume. Um, and you work that until you can get 10 full minutes at five reps, and then eventually you add weight to the bar. So you can still progress on these. Um, a compound superset uh, EMOM would be something like a 12-minute um, you could do, and this this is brutal. This is really cool if you are, let's say, like training three or four days a week. You like your short session shorter and you prefer full body. I absolutely love compound full body superset EMOMs. Um, so you would alternate each minute. So you would do 12 minutes on the clock, bench press for three to five reps, trap bar deadlift for three to five reps. But remember, that's really only six sets each. Because on minute one, you do three to five reps on barbell bench press. Minute two, you do three to five reps on trap bar. Minute three, you're back to the bench, so on and so forth, and you alternate. So this is a great way in 12 minutes, you could literally hit a ton of volume, high intensity, get a great workout in, and you're doing a full body move. Especially for something like a barbell bench press and a trap bar deadlift, you're literally hitting your whole body. Um, if you wanted to go 18 minutes you could add a pull-up in there. <laughs> now you're going bench press, trap bar, pull-up. Now you're literally hitting everything, right? Like the trap bar is going to hit some quad, hit some glute, hit some hamstring, um, hit some back too. It's like a really good full body movement. One of my favorite lifts. Um, barbell bench press obviously is push dominant, anterior dominant, but then you're doing a pull-up, which is going to hit your lats, your back. Um, really, really good movement. So um, that's a great way to do it. Uh, isolation exercises for EMOMs. You could do a alternating 10-minute EMOM of a drag curl and a tricep pushdown or a dip. So you would do five sets of each. On the minute, every minute, you're doing 10 to 12 reps of a barbell curl and 10 to 12 reps of a tricep pushdown or a weighted dip, for example. Um, a full body EMOM, um, more of like accessory dominant. So we're not talking compounds here, but another full body accessory movement EMOM could be a 
dumbbell deficit reverse lunge for five per side and then a weighted chin up for five per side alternating for 10 minutes. Um, you could also do like if you're sticking to an upper lower split, you could do an upper body accessory movement of a dumbbell incline bench press for eight reps and a T-bar row for 10 reps every minute on the minute alternating for eight to 10 minutes, four to five sets each. You could do a lower body one of a hip thrust and a leg extension or a lying leg curl and a, a leg extension, get a brutal pump in your hamstrings and your quads. Um, so you can do this in so many ways. And then obviously there's the metabolic way you could do this. You could do, uh, if we're talking like more CrossFit style, you could do a dumbbell snatch for three to five reps. Let's say like a heavy dumbbell snatch for three per side. And then you could do 10 calories on the assault bike. That's super metabolic. We're being explosive and combine that with the metabolic, but you could also do that with like 10 calories on the assault bike and then 10 glute ham raise setups, so GHD setups, and then a rope climb, one rope climb, on the minute, every minute for 12 minutes, that's four rounds each, fucking brutal, full body, super metabolic, there's a lot of ways to spin it, but every minute on the minute is a great way to basically just condense your training time and really progress via work capacity, so how much work can you get done in a small time frame, number 10, Sadiv sets, uh, this is a 12 minute EDT, this is something I use for a long time, um, made famous by, um, I believe it's John Sadiv himself. Is it? Um, we're Facebook friends. So I'm gonna look this up so I don't butcher who, who did this. Cause I've talked to him multiple times. Um, rich. I don't know why I thought John rich Sadiv. Um, I've used these a lot in my training, uh, but I haven't done so in a long time. So, um, I'm actually excited to talk about this one. This one's cool. Um, brings back a lot of memories, memories. Uh, they're really, really simple. They can be brutally intense and accumulate really quickly because <laughs> your volume kind of goes up. Uh, but it's still pretty low rep. So basically you set a, uh, a 12 minute timer. Um, you pick a weight that you can hit six to seven perfect reps with. So barbell incline bench press is one of my favorite Sadiv sets. I don't know why, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Probably just because I've used it in programming before and, and I remember doing these. But um, pick a weight that it's like, okay, like I can do 185 for six reps and it's, it's tough. It's an RPE of eight or nine, but it's like clean, right? Um, and I'm going to perform as many sets of three reps as possible in this 12-minute time frame. Right, so you set a 12-minute timer, and even though I have a weight that I can do six to seven with, I'm literally cranking out as many rounds of three as I possibly can. Um, because you have a six to seven rep max you are using, it's easy at first, but you need to be smart and take enough rest to consistently hit the three reps with a full range of motion, um, or else you're screwed. Uh, it's also great to be repeated later on because the density challenge allows you to work on building up the volume you can complete within a 12-minute time frame. So this is, again, kind of similar to the EMOM. It's a way to build your work capacity. Um, EDTs stand for Escalated Density Training, and this is a similar thing to an AMRAP. Um, however, AMRAPs, I think, get carried away with people. They go a little too ballistic. They rush the time because it's as many rounds as possible, as many reps as possible, and they just get after it a little bit too much, in my opinion. And what ends up happening is their, their form suffers. Well, an EDT is the same exact concept, escalated density training. However, this is a time frame where you are setting up to do perfect full range of motion reps. So knowing this, you purposely stay in that RPE of eight, which I think is more productive. And you kind of just go through it, breathe, rest as needed, go through full range of motion, perfect your form, put the weight down, walk to the next thing. It's a very, very controlled pace. So with the 12 minute EDT, the thing with this, even though it is a controlled pace, you have one fucking exercise for three reps. It's pretty damn hard, pretty damn hard because you literally go three, 
take a little break, three, take a little break, three, and you just literally keep cranking out three as many times as possible. So really, really fun. I, I usually suggest doing this with compound lifts only. Um, it's a good way if you have, uh, like let's say you have joint issues, um, you don't like to go as heavy, uh, but you still want to get that neurological effect, you're short on time, like this is a great way to do it. Like, right, you could literally do it to where you have like, upper lower split bench squat deadlift overhead press and each day you have a you pick your six rep max and you do sets of three for 12 minutes on the clock every minute or i mean as many rounds as you can within that 12 minute clock so now we're hitting that three rep zone of effort quote unquote um if you pick a five to six rep max it might be even more beneficial and you could uh if you want pure strength if you want pure hypertrophy i'd go with like a seven or eight rep and you can stay in that two to three rep zone and you just go 12 minutes non-stop really really fun um brutal by minute like, t- this is one of those ones that's like, it's like you're watching, what are those uh, sand clocks? I can't think of them off the top of my head. I have like multiple of them, one on my bookshelf and stuff too, but where you just flip it and the sand drips. It's like that. Like, <laughs> it's so slow. It makes time go by so slow. By minute five, you're just like, what is going on? All right. Um, we are, f- <laughs> with no intro, I'm recording this. I'm looking at the timer. It's 48 minutes. This is not what I expected. So, um, I still have quite a bit to go. So we're going to go with one more and then we're going to do a part two on this because there's 21 different ones that I'm going to break down for you today. And because I'm really diving into each topic or each hack, each program tip, each rep set scheme, I think I wasn't expecting to take so much time on it. Um, full transparency. So we are going to do a part two. So I'm going to finish with number 11, which is cluster sets. Um, cluster sets are, in my opinion, one of the best ways to break through a strength plateau. Um, and improve your technique at the same time because it allows you to do that. Um, it allows you to lift more weight in a shorter period of time by allowing you to take very short rest periods in between each cluster. But this also increases your heart rate as you are lifting. Um, so this is a really good way to improve your mental focus, really challenge your mental focus too, and just f- challenge your physical form while being under pressure, while being under metabolic fatigue, while being while having a high heart rate. Um, so here's how it works. Uh, four sets of three by three is a classic cus- cluster. You would perform three sets of three with only 10 seconds between each set. After accomplishing all three mini sets, a total of nine reps, you have completed one of four total rounds. So this is really cool. This allows you to lift a four to five rep max for nine reps in a small amount of time which is one of the main reasons why I believe it's one of the best techniques to smashing strength plateaus and increasing your ability to keep tight form with heavy loads, which a lot of people need to work on. I think that's an underrated skill, being able to keep your form while progressing weight, not just be able to like grit it and grind it out and shake your way till the deadlift gets to the top. We've all had those sets where you're like seizuring with the bar and it's just like shaking and shaking and shaking. You finally lock out and your back is wrecked the next day. This allows you to work on form with heavy load. So if you if we kind of dissect this again, we have four total rounds, but each round is three sets of three. So what this means is like, let's say my four to five rep max on a trap bar deadlift. I love clusters on trap bar. Um, is my four to five rep max on a trap bar deadlift is 300 pounds, just for easy math. Um, I haven't tested any of this shit in so long that I w- couldn't even tell you, especially with my surgery, um, what mine is. So 300, just a, a random number to throw out. 300 pounds. Okay. So I can do that for five reps, but I'm gonna do it for three, which means it's easy. First round of three, it's a breeze. I got speed. I got velocity. I'm I'm crisp. It's clean. Drop the bar, wait 10 to 15 seconds, set up, pull it again. Three reps, much more challenging, but I got it. It's clean. 
Now I've already done six reps with a five rep max. Now I have one more set of three. And this three is like a grinder. This is like what would have happened if I did five reps with that five rep max. I'd pull, one's clean, two is a grinder, three is like barely squeezing by RPE of like 9.5, right? Drop the load, take a solid two to four minute rest and then get back to it and you can do three, four sets of this. So it's a really good way to accumulate volume because you have heavy loads and you're hitting nine reps per set. So you're actually doing quite a bit of volume from a rep perspective as well. But again, it allows you to break through strength plateaus because you are lifting more total volume for the loads that you normally couldn't because you're taking these mini breaks between. Um, and it's really fun. It's just intense. Like it gets your heart rate up and it allows you to keep form solid while your, your metabolic system is kind of fatigued and why you are lifting heavier loads. So that is number 11. We still have 12 through 21 to go. And I might even throw a couple bonus ones in that I didn't have written up that I started thinking about as I started sharing some stories with you guys. So tune in next Monday and we will finish the 21 programming hacks to end your training boredom. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.